0: Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you and we're going to show you how. Now, now, let's get started. All right. Ooh. Hey, Nate. How you going, my man? Good, mate. Good. Awesome, brother. All right. So we're here today with Nate Halley. Nate the Builder from Sentinel Homes in Hamilton. Kia ora, and welcome, bro. Thanks, Money. Good to be here. Awesome, my man. So, can you tell us a little bit
1: about your, your background,
0: business perspective, and also before business, what made you
1: decide to get into building, etc.? cetera? Yeah, cool. So, um, I'm Nate Ellie. I grew up in a small town called Tokoro in the South Waikato been building since I left school at fifteen. I was okay at school, but it wasn't really for me. I wanted to get out and, and use my hands and, and do that sort of stuff. Um, worked in dairy farms while I was at school, so milk before and after school, trying to make money and Yeah, and then I, I left school, uh, went out and, and sort of hustled my way into an apprenticeship. Um, building was always what I wanted to do. Love working with my hands. I come from a family of carpenters. Oh
0: really?
1: So Yep. Yeah tell, so
0: tell
1: me more, like your old man or Yeah, so my old man's carpenter. Um, all of his uncles are carpenters or boat builders or furniture makers so awesome yeah we're all we're all into that sort of stuff but uh, I don't have a lot to do with my old man to be honest but um yeah it's sort of in the blood some of that stuff as well
0: and so when did the idea of first getting into building like straight out of school or
1: yeah pretty much yeah so um I left school to do building basically um I got told at school that my time would be better spent elsewhere, <laughs> and so uh, and that's where it started basically, yeah, moved out of, there, there wasn't much industry in Tokoroa, so I yep. moved to Hamilton, um, and awesome. that's where it all started, yeah. How many in your family,
0: are you married, have you got kids?
1: So my wife and I, Geordie, uh, we have two little girls, yeah, three and eight months, so wow. um, that's sort of the, the big gig for me at the moment.
0: Right my man, so w- when you started out, how long have you been building for, before you decided to go out on your own? And what prompted you to want to make that switch from working for someone else to...
1: Yeah, so, so I guess um, I, start, I, was, I was building, you know, did my apprenticeship and worked for my boss as a foreman um, and project manager for probably another year after I did my time. Probably what I found frustrating was because I was young and um, in a sort of, I guess, well, in a foreman position. There were guys that were working for me that had been working for longer as builders and were therefore getting paid more than me. Yeah. But I was running the jobs, and so that was a real frustration for me so at the time my my boss wouldn't sort of incentivize me or or give me any you know pay me for what I was doing. It was it was sort of time and business, and so I just took that and thought oh I'll, I'll I'll go out and give it a crack myself completely green. I was nineteen I think when I first went out on my own Oh, to be honest, I had no idea what I was doing I was absolutely winging it. Learned a lot of lessons the hard way around contracts, getting paid. What were the lessons guys?
0: that you did learn, say, in those formative years? Top three things that you've carried <sighs> got stuck, that you thought, never again?
1: Yeah, it was really different then, I suppose, in that it was just me and a couple of guys. So I had a couple of apprentices. I got to the point where there was, I think, six or seven guys and making less money than when I had two apprentices. So that was a real big learning. It was sort of like you know, get big and busy and build all these houses, but without the systems and and holding people accountable or knowing what's coming in and going out, um, that was a big lesson. Also contracts, having the right paperwork in place, getting variations signed off, all that sort of stuff. I was just doing stuff on handshakes and, and got caught out. So yeah, it was pretty tough.
0: So with holding people accountable, one of the biggest things that I see, well, two of the biggest things, one is visibility of numbers yep. so know and show you numbers and the other one is shorten the feedback loop and by that i mean daily stand-up meetings weekly toolbox meetings weekly construction meetings etc what do you do i know that you began big into around improving from a, a numbers perspective and from a accountability meeting perspective
1: so um with regards to the numbers we actually keep a, a sort of central form between our team um, now where all our numbers go into there. So our sales numbers for the month, our slabs down, our amount of handovers, or even we compare what our sales numbers were versus what we've actually invoiced for the month. Oh, um, so that the, our sort of sales team is almost competing with our construction team as far as who's getting the most work done. And then from a, a I guess, weekly structure sort of set up, we have a team brief every Monday, which is the whole team. And that's around who's got what coming up, who needs a hand with anything?
0: How, how's that done? Is that done on site or Facebook group meeting? Google.
1: So we do that in office. Most most of my staff are office based. There's, a, there's you know half the team maybe are, are out on the road at different parts of the week. But it's sort of there's a social element to that as well. It's quite good for the team to catch up and we sort of play off a little bit of the um, I guess productivity for that culture piece where um, it is good for the team to catch up and know what each other did on the weekends and that sort of stuff. Where, and we're still productive of what we do. We make sure we're covering off what we need to cover off. And-
0: so tell, tell us a little bit about Sentinel and growth has been phenomenal. I mean, you guys made the Deloitte Fast 50 last year. Yep. You would have made it this year if we yep. were, we were having <laughs> one. And yep. uh, yeah, you're just going year on year. Getting better in all aspects of business, especially growth and margin. Can you tell us a little bit about the structure of the business? Who's in the company or what roles are in the company? Yep. And, you know, what's growth been
1: like? Yeah, cool. So at the moment, I guess my role has gone from, you know, five years ago, I was the QS, the project manager, doing sales, doing all of that sort of stuff. And and over time, that's shifted to where now, now my role is general manager. Um, and I have the help of an advisory board as well. Day to day I guess I do get to work on the business and I get involved in a bit of HR stuff and just uh, making sure the team's performing under me I have I've split the team into two and so we call it an opportunity team and a delivery team so the opportunities team is team's goal is to provide the opportunity to the delivery team to deliver and the delivery team's goal is to deliver to get the opportunity back in the pipeline and so
0: so you essentially have sales and marketing yep and project management and delivery yep where does pricing sit in those? Is
1: it in so or is it in both or it's actually in both. Yeah, yeah. So um, and look, it's taken a bit of experimentation. What actually happened was that our um, our QSs were both working really well and working in different parts of QSing. So we actually split that QSing role into a, a front end QS and a back end QS. So the front end QS sets the sale price, provides that job to the back end QS who does thing you know, that's the purchase ordering back costing, up yep. cool. uh, here's the front end pricing and um, preliminary pricing, pricing of drafted plans and that sort of stuff. Awesome.
0: And how are you getting visibility of those numbers and how are you tracking, do you have software, in-house software or you
1: yeah, so, project management software or how are you doing Yeah so both, so our accounting package looks after our back, back costing, so that's where our um, all of our invoicing is done, all of our purchase ordering and therefore our back costing reports come out of that. Be a
0: leader.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: So in terms of results, I mean, you guys have had some phenomenal growth. Yep. Uh, can you talk us through what Topline has has done over, say, the last five years, where you're at now and, and where you want to go to?
1: Yeah, so obviously started from scratch. Um, you know, when we first set up, it was a goal to sell. You know, I think we were looking to do six houses and three million in the first first 12 months, mm-hmm. it Was is only we just, just got to. And the growth's been fairly steady over that time, although at the moment sales are going pretty crazy Mm. which is awesome so we did 15 million in revenue last year and our margins have been slowly getting better and better just like i've said to you earlier funding a bit of growth same time as learning a few lessons as well but yeah that's where we're sitting at the moment and
0: And what's your target Where, where do you want to end up this year and beyond
1: yeah so like to be doing I mean the goal for this year was 18 million but it looks like we're going to do that by Christmas which will be awesome yeah so we're we'll pretty happy with that look at you know we could we could be looking up around that 25 mark which would be insane and awesome. um, yeah a funny one because it was a bit of a pipe dream Eh, you sort of think yeah. of it as a pipe dream but then breaking it down into those systems and actually putting the wheels in motion to make that thing happen so that it's it's not just a dream, has has been a bit of fun. And yeah, look, long term, I've been very clear with my team, I guess, um, you know, business side of it and, and the making money is important, but I want to be doing it for a long time as well. Like, you know, I've, I've said to my team, I don't want to build 50 houses if we can only build 30 of them really, really well. I would much rather, um, but then, you know, on the other hand, I'm happy to build 100 houses if we can build them all really, really well. So it says the sales are growing, it's making sure that delivery can deliver. And then potentially consolidating as we go, and, and which is an interesting
0: away. thing because you do a wide mix, you do a mix of work from some architectural high-end yep. build design and build, some yep. I guess eerie work to yep. government work yep. to basically things, housing plans, basically straight off the plans. How do you juggle that? And can you talk a little bit to you know what what are the things take into account which with those with deciding what to focus on
1: yeah look probably a real what's been a real balancing act is because we're doing some of that sort of high-end architectural when people see that you're doing that they gravitate towards it and then if they see that you're doing investor builds you know brick and tile duplexes people think that that's what you do so for us it's been about really trying to make sure that the quality is consistent no matter what we're building we are predominantly a mid-market family home builder Yep. And that's where we want to stay. And so with our marketing and our brand positioning, it's all centered around that end of the market. But then we have the ability to to build whatever we want, basically. So you, you mentioned on there, like, tracking quality is, is critical. How do
0: you actually go about doing that? Like,
1: what do you track? Yep. yep. And how do you report it
0: back with the team?
1: I guess to start from the start, being a builder by trade that that's something that's really important to me and so yep. I know that as a builder when I walk into a house these things that I'll see that Joe Public won't see but that doesn't mean it's okay to still deliver something mm. that you're not happy with yourself and so we do it's ba- it's basically checklists hey eh? and awesome. in short it's um so we have a couple of hundred items that we're checking over per house and and mm. some of them are Compliance, so it's not you know it's not necessarily all about the quality. It's it's about making sure that the boxes are ticked in terms of yep. we've got a spec for we might have a spec for under tile heating on one in every ten houses or something like that. Um, so it's making sure that we've got the system to pick those sorts of things up yep. throughout the process, so that you're not putting tiles down in a house no. where you haven't put the underfloor in or, or yep. whatever it is. So there's some things like that, but then there's also as a carpenter, a few things that I put in there that are just you know some of them are really simple as far as Checking that every door in a hallway is centre, for example, you know, something that's just Mm. should be a a real fundamental for for a good carpenter. But then it gets right down to specifying, you know, what sort of quirks we want to have on our architraves, checking all the doors before handover, even the little things as far as our project managers have to set the clocks on the ovens before handover. Oh, really? Um, you know, awesome. Getting, yeah, how, oh, how good is that? Getting right down into that sort of stuff. And, and and we call it the little things. It's a bit of a culture thing as well in, in the office. So yep. the little things is um, something that we talk about in our systems, but also when we're building and, and all that sort of stuff, how we deal with each other even. Awesome.
0: So how you deal with each other, what are you doing culture-wise in the business or what have you done to... Put in place your values that are important to you and the business.
1: Yeah, so w- one of the big ones for me um, is a word called Manakitanga, which is a Maori word, and it means basically the art of showing respect, care and generosity, which we believe in. And, and, and the good thing is that with the team, I mean, I've, I've had to fire people and that's been really tough and that's been for a mix of culture and or performance, it has been really tough. But at the end of the day, making those decisions centred around that means that where we're at as a team at the moment is stronger than
0: you mentioned uh, earlier that as you've grown, one of the big focuses on quality. Now, quality is much easier when you have, can be easier when you have employees, a little bit harder when you have contractors, and then can be a little bit harder when you have contracted labor. Yep. What model do you run and what lessons, I guess, have you learned on the model of delivery?
1: Probably the biggest one as we've grown has been, you know, Early on, it was, like I say, I was the project manager. I was a QS, I was a sales. So it was, you know, it was all up here. It was real easy when, you know, I'd be project managing myself. And so I knew what I expected. I could let the subbies know what I expected. As we've grown, nothing I do now has anything to do with being a builder. I mean, I know what I'm doing as far as how to build the house, which I think is important as a a building business owner. But now I have to rely on my team to build the houses for me. And, you know, I remember even... When we started thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to go to every single handover for every every house we ever build, and and I don't go to some of them now, and it's quite, even making that change was a little bit scary, but having that system in place where we, you know, the checklists and, and knowing that on handover day everything is exactly awesome. how I want it, it, it does give me confidence to do that, and, it, and it's allowed, I guess my time isn't scalable, mm. so having that sort of thing set up has been real good. So you, you run all
0: contracted gangs that give you a contracted price or do you run a mixture of your own contractors
1: with yeah so all of our labor at the moment is contracted but um early probably q1 next year going to look at taking on um on-site staff so our project managers are all in-house um, we've got quantity surveyors project managers um, we've got pre-construction manager yep. operations manager um, accounts um, and then the general um, office administrator as well and then the sales team. So but then it's a bit of a tricky one with a, with a head office setup. I guess that's got its own challenges. And one of those was that we should have contracted labor predominantly. Something I probably disagree with and, and have pushed back on just because I think I think if you own a building business, you have a responsibility to take on apprentices. It's that's just yep. something I believe yep. in as a builder myself. And so my goal is to have a couple of gangs of apprentices in the next awesome. couple of years and awesome.
0: So what have been the biggest lessons, I guess, in terms of marketing and sales that, that have worked well as you've grown?
1: I guess looking at marketing as an investment yeah. as opposed to an outright cost.
0: It's interesting because we talked earlier about the uh, scaling of business and being in the mindset that it's growth and you, you want to have typically ratios at 20 to 25% GP, yep. overheads at 8 to 12%, so you get a net of 10%. 15 percent and yep. when we talked earlier your net was lower and uh, and it was like look it's fine because we're in growth mode yep. how do you balance you know telling yourself that narrative that hey it's okay we're spending this on capex yep. we're investing in marketing yeah how do you decide what's what's valuable and and what's wastage do you do like a 90-day review do you look at return on ad spend
1: i guess early on it was kind of you know there's that kind of get your brand out there, um, that sort of thing. Brand awareness is yep. what you know people say. And we've sort of shifted from that where we've got an established business now that people know and so all the marketing that we're doing now is to get clicks through to the website or yep. conversion basically. Yep. So um, all our marketing is data driven now. We know that to spend X amount on say, Google Display Network or Google AdWords, um, it should result in X amount of clicks through to the website. We have our numbers too. We know we need to speak to X amount of people in a year with a conversion rate of blah, blah, blah blah, to end up with this out the bottom of the funnel. So, yeah, that's sort of what we're working on at the moment. And the reason things are are growing so hard at the moment is because we, through lockdown and and the COVID thing, when we were at home, working from home, we were talking to the team every day around what are we going to do to ensure that our pipeline stays full? And so we've implemented all of that stuff, but the market has also gone like that. And yeah. so it's meant that Double. not only that, and it's, yeah, and, and, the, and it's, I guess gives you confidence that the numbers don't lie because we're speaking to X amount of people and that percentage is dropping at the bottom. It's yeah. just that because of the market, we're talking to twice as many people now. So and so we're selling twice as many. So it's, you know, it works. And how
0: do you remunerate your sales pe- people? So they're commission only? Mm-hmm. Yep, because um, we were talking earlier in, in our group some people are doing it two percent some at one and a half is it solely a flat percentage or do they get more based on what they sell so how's it?
1: not so we pay them a flat three mm-hmm. percent um and that's three percent on three percent on contract value less the commission so they don't get the commission on the commission sure. if that sort of makes sense but okay. um yeah look they they've had tough years like we've got a couple of them that are a couple of years and the first year they had to fight really hard yeah we we paid six figures to one of them a couple of months ago. Awesome. You know, just like happy days. Yeah. And what what do you do
0: to unwind, relax? I mean, you've got two young children. You're married. Yep. Um, training, obviously, like a beast. Like, <laughs> how, how much weight do you drop? You've dropped a good ten kilos. Dropped or something.
1: About ten kilos. Yeah, yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So, so talk to sure. me a little bit, bit about that. What what do you do, and how you're managing, you know, fitness, time off for yourself,
1: and. Yeah. Look, I think. Over the last five years, the, the mental health side of things, I know it's topical at the moment um, with all the coverage it gets on the media and stuff, but that's probably something where I've had to learn the hard way around getting pretty close to having a meltdown and, and that sort of thing, just working all hours, doing all sorts yep. of stuff. And um, I, I learned pretty quickly that, you know, if I, if I was feeling like I wasn't physically fit, it would just contribute really badly to, to me. You know, not functioning at a, at, a, at the level I want to anyway. Yep. And so I know that if I'm not doing four or five gym sessions a week, then I'm not going to be running at 100%. Um, to unwind, fishing is my, my thing. Fishing and hunting I love. Awesome. And so I try to do as much of that as possible. Um, and just hanging out with my kids and even, you know, still working really hard. Like, I, And I don't think I'll ever stop working really hard. I love this game and, yep. and I don't want to, you know... Certainly not in the in the midterm. I don't have any goals of working yep. any less really, but being more effective and um, even you know, if I do have to do a little bit of work at night or something like that, I'll make sure I'm at home by 5.30 so I can sure. hang out with my kids because, yep. awesome. like I say, that's the big gig. It's yeah. no point in having this really cool business if you don't have kids to hang out with. So, 100%. <laughs> so if
0: you could have a giant billboard anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking getting a message out to millions what would <laughs> yep. you have on it and yep. why
1: oh man honestly <laughs> one of my mantras is it's just don't be a dick <laughs> <laughs> yep. honestly man it's it's something that i read in a book called legacy by james kerr which is about the all blacks and what the all blacks bring into um what what lessons from the all blacks can translate into business and life and and i think it's it's so simple but you know probably something in in our game is that anyone can become rich by being an arsehole basically for want of a better term but then at the end of the day you're just a rich arsehole and yeah. <laughs> yeah you know it's sort of it, yeah and and I've seen it I've seen it in different um, you know I worked when I was um, working for myself as a, as a labouring contractor worked for guys who were just trying to screw builders yeah and I was like I mean I don't want to do that you know you want to I think yeah it, it relates to a lot of things but I think there's no reason in business why everyone can't win. Like 100%. we try and make sure that the outcome, you know, people talk about outcomes for clients and focusing on the client, but we sort of think that there's no point in, in building a house that your client's really stoked with or having a process that your client's really stoked with if your team hates it or 100%. vice versa, you know. Yeah. Um, and that goes right through to our subbies and their apprentices. There's no one that we treat different. We don't, you know, we want the subbies to be successful um, we want them to have successful businesses because only where we can be successful is if all of them are as well. So,
0: one hundred percent, it's great ideology to have.
1: Yeah. We're massively into learning.
0: We're, we're a learning organisation. I do a truckload of reading, um, both audible and, and books as well. What would be the Top three books that, that you've looked at or read in the past, you know, twelve months or so. Yep.
1: Yep. So um, Extreme Ownership would be top of my list by Jocko Willink and, and Leif Babin. Yep. And that was just a game changer, like the mantra that there's no bad teams, only bad leaders. Um, I love that. I think Yeah, like with the know, Navy
0: SEALs when they swapped them around one yeah, team man. wasn't performing.
1: Yep, totally. It was just so good. It was real real eye opener. Um, the book itself is really good to read as well. Like in terms of a, a easy to read because there was the war stories and stuff like that. It's pretty hard out, but yeah. I think. Um,
0: are you a reader or a listener? Are you listen in Audible drive oh, Round or are you reading?
1: A little bit of both. Eh, I actually I love picking up a book. Yep. It's just um, with kids and all that sort of stuff. It's pretty hard to yeah. to read at the minute, but um, yeah, I think yeah that extreme ownership, the this, this stuff around, even the dichotomy of leadership around you got to be real close to your team but not too close you know it's you read that and it's kind of like cool it's not just me that thinks leadership in itself is really difficult (laughs) because it is such a fine line yeah um that was cool the other one i read a book called the happiness advantage which was actually recommended out of um Mm -hmm. uh 177 mental toughness secrets so that you know how that book recommended a book in every chapter yeah it was one of them so it's the called happiness. the happiness advantage so it's, it talks about how um when we well how how by default typically we chase success thinking that success will bring us happiness it kind of flips that on its head and says that you should focus on trying to be happy every day and that will in turn bring success ah, so it's a real um good. it was written by a, a professor and so there's a lot of evidence in there to support that theory and that was really cool and then the other one would be the love languages man that was awesome yeah that's Um, five
0: people that have ironically endorsed that book in the last couple of weeks
1: yeah yeah and so that was game i mean that's awesome for work and understanding that people you know as an example for for a qs if they're if their love language isn't words of affirmation, you could tell them that they're the best QS you've ever met every day, and it wouldn't mean anything to them. But yeah. if you if you bought them their favorite biscuit yep. on a Tuesday yeah. morning and said, "Look, I'm so you know, thank you so much," that they good. just feel that you know, it's yeah. um that I mean, to be honest, that that's probably affected my relationship with my wife more than anything else. Like it's just awesome. been awesome. We understand each other way better. It's um, she's now reading there's love languages for children. So uh-huh. it's, yeah, so we're we're looking at that sort of stuff as well. So those would be my three favourites at the minute. Awesome.
0: What, what's one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? Could be time, could be money, could be energy, yep. obviously kids and wife as well. Yep. yep. What
1: else? Oh, look, I, I sort of talked about it earlier, the, the mental health thing is um, I can't, probably preach it enough around looking after up here it's sort of you know as a as a builder you hit your thumb you got a sore thumb you need to do something about it or you've got a bung leg and someone sees you limping and says go get help but if you're you're hurting up here or if you're struggling up there and you can't focus or you know something's wrong you need to do something about it and it's yeah i've learned a lot around that in the last couple of years and that probably investing and in, so it is probably a time investment mm-hmm. um
0: so so what do you do specifically so exercise family yep. stuff we yep. talk about big rocks what are those yep. other big rocks for you
1: yeah so it's i mean like i say the big gig for me is is being a parent uh, you know i don't yeah having a having a successful business is nothing if i don't have good relationships with my kids so it's making sure that every day i'm i'm being present with them um, it's even learning to switch off so that there's a principle called lamp posting so I use my front door at home as my lamp post um, when I walk in the front door it's basically switching off works oh, works out really there good. homes in here um, and then I do the same when I get into work as well so um, you know there's times where being out on site uh, you know you might you might have a disgruntled client or something like that that you've gone to deal with and that can really drain everything out of you but the front door to the office is the lamppost, boom, yeah. I'm here now, I'm, I'm, I'm in my role here. So oh, That's good, yeah. I like that, yeah. I love so it. That's, that's a real good one and I find that too, you know, uh, there was a period where I just couldn't switch off from work, so much was happening, yeah. like I said, I was wearing lots of hats, sales, so cruising, da da, da 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 and not being able to switch off from that was just real detrimental to, yeah. to everything basically, um, and so learning some things like that has been real helpful. 100%.
0: What what have you become better at saying no to over the last five years?
1: I think I've been a lot more selective with my time. You're, you, you're sort of in a role as a business owner where everyone wants a piece of you for something. I even find, you know, as our business has gotten bigger, sales reps wanting to sell you different products and, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm... Um, You know, we've got great relationships with all our existing suppliers and and unless any of them give me a reason to need a look elsewhere, I I like to stay quite loyal to them. Um, And so, you know, for me, spending an hour of my day talking to someone about this new door handle or something that I've got, I'm like, man, I'd rather spend that time with my kids. I I don't need to learn about this door handle, that's not not helping me achieve my goals and so I have been much more selective with that. Which is, um, yeah, it's been, it's been good. So when, when you feel overwhelmed or
0: unfocused, you've got so much on your plate, what do you do to get yourself back on track or how, how do you go about that process? Yeah,
1: it's, it's, if I, if I recognise it, it's the first step, I suppose, knowing that, oh, geez, I'm struggling to focus here, I've got a bit, bit much going on. Honestly, it's just going for a walk. I just get out of the office. Um, like the other day, it was actually hosing down in Hamilton. I still grabbed the umbrella and I just went for a walk, man. It was, awesome. you know, just taking a breath and and then I have the gratitude piece, and then I have some um, some follow up stuff from leadership training that I've done in the past, which I just recap yep. on once a week. So there's that. It's um, you know my my office is full of photos of my girls and my family. So some it, it might even be just sitting back from the computer for for two minutes and yeah. just looking at my photos on the wall. And, yep. Just zero out of it this yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent.
0: How have you changed as a leader over the last five years? I can see just in the last twelve months. Yeah, man. Clearer, um, calmer, more focused. Yeah. More, almost more resilient yep. with
1: resolute. What, what would? Yeah. What would you
0: say have been the biggest
1: I differences? Poor oh man. I guess you know, starting out in business, I didn't even know leadership was something that could be learned. Probably, I sort of. You know, at school I was I was captain of rugby teams for no other reason than I was reasonably confident and and was okay at rugby. You know, like it, that to me was like, oh yeah, you sort of born a born a leader. But then I, I suppose the more I've learned about it and leadership PD is probably um, the thing I do the most of now. When Absolutely. it when it comes to PD, yep. it's something that yep. I I take really seriously. And PD so, and
0: personal development.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably the understanding that you can't look after anyone else if you're not looking after yourself so that was probably a real game changer for me it was yep. like to to get other people to to motivate other people to be their best you got to be at your best yourself and it's a real funny one every every sort of leadership training i've ever done or every resource i've read or whatever it might be they all sort of come back to the same thing and it's and it is being who you want to be yep. to, to yep. then be able to inspire people to do Either what you want them to do or, or that yep. what they want to do.
0: Be the result. Live in alignment with your values, yep. I think, yep. are two, two of the biggest things. Yeah, and
1: just being congruent with it. You know, like, um, yeah, yeah, it's, you can't, you know, you I've, I've seen it before where you've got guys who talk about being honest and transparent. These are builders as well. And then they're out there playing up on their wives or you know it doesn't it doesn't marry up and so Mm -hmm. being that person that you you want to see in your team or you want to see out there is yeah it's been awesome bro
0: mm. awesome and what what's been your biggest win or most proud moment or what what are you most proud of so far because your business has grown massively you've evolved significantly what what are you most proud of so far
1: Oh, look, in general life, it's my kids, my kids and my wife. They sort of, you yeah. know, bring me so much, so much more than what I could give them. You know, it's just a, they're the best thing ever. In business, it's probably, you know, there's things that, that we've done, like um, we paid our team 100% through COVID, um, mm-hmm. and that wasn't something that we had to do, but it's something that I'm immensely proud of. It's, you know, it was quite a few people, and it, and it cost a bit of money, but we did it. The team's real stoked about it, and, and that kind of comes back to that manaakitanga that I was talking about before. Yeah. I guess you don't play the game for the accolades, but there's things like House of the Year Golds and and being in the Deloitte Fast 50. Yep. Um, we won Franchise of the Year and our and our group and things like that. Those are those are really cool. I guess they're the, a byproduct of doing the things day to day that that we do to be proud of you. Yeah. Awesome.
0: What's ahead for you and your business next year and beyond? Where do you want to go?
1: Look, it's the skies are the limit. Eh? that's kind of the cool thing at mm. the moment is. From a startup, where as a startup your focus is on making something work, when now we've got something that works, and it's like, whew, you know, where can we go? It's quite exciting. Yeah. My, I guess, BHAG long term would be to bring in some shareholders into the mm-hmm. business, probably reduce my need to be in there, um, work solely on a on a from a strategic point of view on the business. Awesome. Um, and I've got some good people in the business at the moment who are shaping up to awesome. to take that on. Um, like I say, I'm a builder and I love building and I actually miss being on the tools. I miss having my apron on. And so the really big goal would be to take a year or year and a half off work and build my own house. Awesome. Um, yeah, just yep. just for fun, you know, yep. like not Not building it because I want to save some labour or something like that. Like I just want to build it and build something that I'm real proud to live in and, awesome. and me and my wife and kids can enjoy.
0: Yeah. Awesome, I love
1: it. And lastly, what, what advice would you give
0: to a smart, driven building company owner, wanting to go to the next level who's maybe stuck where they're at they ain't getting the results that they want, what advice would you give to them?
1: Oh, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of the systems. Get the systems happening. The systems just, it gives you the leverage. It gives you, the systems are like a fail-safe, eh? You know, yeah. you, you, you put the systems in place and make sure they're followed. And, and even, you know, you guys have been great for basically breaking everything down into those segmented kind of steps. Like, here's the... He, you know, Even the BHAG, for example, like okay. the BHAG is a big, hairy, audacious goal, but actually it's not just a goal. It's actually something that I'm actively, work. it's not like winning lotto, right? Like yeah. winning lotto is not the BHAG, these businesses, you can literally win a lot of every year in these businesses. I know. It's and so that's did, right? you know, and that's sort of people struggle with that, you know. It's getting out of that mindset. I think it took me a long time, but making that um, mental transition from I'm not a builder anymore, I'm a businessman. That was massive. Um, understanding that, um, doing things like accounting training. Oh, there's a there's a list, man. There's there's so many things. But I think going back to that ownership thing, just taking ownership of it, no one's gonna do this for you you're ultimately responsible for even being on your program right you guys have all the advice and and the systems and the resources in the world but actually to make your business do what you want it to do you have got to steer the ship 100 percent my man dude i am stoked with i mean
0: you've evolved as a person your business is growing massively but i think it's the person you're becoming that i Mm. like seeing the most and just I love seeing the journey that you're on, bro. Thanks, man. Proud to uh, call your friends. Appreciate it, man. See you, great, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time today and uh, sharing your journey.
1: Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, man.